wonder if you could do something uh, with me tonight as we begin the message. Could you just take a deep breath with me? Let's do one more just for fun. How about that, ready? Now it's very tempting to fall asleep, right? (laughs) And we've all been through so much today. We've had so many conversations, experienced so many things, even the tension of driving and bad weather and how that raises blood pressure and stress. And yet, here we are in God's house today, or those of you that are joining us online, you're, you're sitting at your kitchen table or in your living room, you're watching on your tablet or your phone. And yet, sometimes I think we forget that we're actually human. Anybody ever struggle with this? Any of you overdriven, workaholic types out there that just go, 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 go until something happens in your life, something comes along and reminds you that you are, in fact, human? And tonight on Ash Wednesday, those of you that are part of this church, maybe you've been here the last few Sundays, you know that we've been in a series of messages hitting some pretty tough topics, hitting some really tough Uh, passages of scripture and we've been going through Romans and one of the things about going through a book of the Bible is you can't skip over the difficult parts. You have to address what is in there. And so we've been looking at, at some of these topics and so the last few weeks we were talking about hypocrisy and how we're hypocrites. We last, just a few days ago, talked about being unfaithful and what that looks like, and then we're going to talk tonight about sin, which really encapsulates all of these. Uh, But some of you might remember a few weeks ago, uh, we were actually supposed to kick off this sermon series with a sermon on judgment. Another nice, fun, heavy topic. But I wasn't here, right? I wasn't here. In fact, I was at uh, urgent care on Saturday, and I was in there because my mother forced me to go to the urgent care, and I was, uh, while I was in there, the doctor said, you look and sound like crap, you need to go home. And you need to not be around people for three days. And I said, I, that's impossible, I'm on my way to a funeral, I can't do that, I have a shirt and tie on, I need to go to a funeral, a funeral here at Shepherd's Gate, I can't let this family down, and I gotta preach tomorrow, I spent 15 hours on this message, what are you telling me that I can't be around people? I had to call this guy over here, Pastor Craig, 30 minutes before he delivered the funeral sermon and said, hey, I know you're about to preach a sermon at the funeral, but how do you feel about preaching on Sunday as well with less than 24 hours notice? And wouldn't you know, he did it. He did. We should give him a hand. It's like Craig week. But it reminded me that I'm human. It reminded me that there are sometimes circumstances in life that are beyond my control. And, you know, again tonight we're going to be looking at that as we look to to the scriptures. In fact, I'm going to do my best to try to take judgment and sin and and just wrap this up as we've been looking at chapters 2 and 3 in Romans and really the beginning of chapter 2 and the end of chapter 3. And so if you've been part of the reading plan, you've been reading along, you're just going to see how Paul has basically taken these two chapters, how he's addressed these really tough things that we're going to look at again tonight for a reason that they're actually for our good. They're actually for our good to remind us that we're human, to take a deep dive in our lives, to maybe deal with some of those areas that we don't always like to deal with, but yet it's always for our good. It's always to conform us into the image of his son. It's always to help us be the people that he's called us to be. 
And so we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 2, 1, and 11, and then we're going to be looking a little bit at chapter 3, 21 to 31. So how does this sound? You guys all in for an hour sermon tonight? Right? You made it here. What are you going to do when you get home? Shovel the snow? Right? Well, might as well tackle two sermons in one. Uh, so we're going to start on page 940, and the Bibles are right in front of you. from the front row. They're underneath the seat. If you don't have a Bible, please take the one that you're holding home with you today. We just believe it's the greatest gift that we can give you. In 940, get ready for this, because some of this you don't even need to explain. You just read it, and God speaks to us. And this is what it says in the first verse. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. Anyone want to admit that they sometimes judge other people? For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Think about that. Hypocrisy all over again. He goes on to say, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself that you will escape the judgment of God? That you'll escape the judgment of God. Well, what is the judgment of God? It's this is that you and I deserve eternal death. And that we deserve to, to suffer a penalty for the sins that we have committed. And God is actually just in doing that. That God, that God actually has the right to do that because we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of what he has actually called us to do on this earth. And sometimes we read scriptures and we read scriptures in the Old Testament or read scriptures as in this letter in this book that Paul wrote and we say, oh, well, you know, all these other people, they talked all a lot about this, but Jesus didn't really talk about that. Jesus is always about love. Jesus is always about rainbows. Jesus is always about children and bunnies and whatever else we kind of come up with. And you dig a little deeper and you find out that Jesus actually spoke more about judgment and hell than anyone else in the scriptures. I want you to think about that. Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate. He talked more about judgment and hell than anybody else. In fact, maybe you've heard this passage of scripture before in Matthew. These are Jesus' words. He said this, Judge not that you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, you will be, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. There it is again. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And think about that. And we like this passage when somebody else is judging us, don't we? Right? When, when the condemnation is coming toward us, we love to, to remind people of this passage, but when we go to, to speak it into somebody else's life, because maybe they have a different view than us, maybe they view the world differently than us, maybe they have a different political leaning than us, then all of a sudden the rules change and we get a little uncomfortable with it. In fact, Jesus also said this in Matthew 10, he said, do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body 
and soul and hell. What is he doing here? He's reminding us that, that God is in fact the creator and God is in fact the judge of the world and he's the judge of every human heart. God's the judge, not us. And it's kind of interesting because even sometimes when Jesus say, would say these things and, and sometimes it would be really difficult to hear, he would follow them up with something like this. He said this in the very next verses. He said, For are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Isn't that nice? And then he says this, the opposite of fear. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. See, so he had an amazing ability to remind us that God is in fact the judge, that he is in fact the creator, that he is the one that holds that ability while at the same time having an immense amount of grace and mercy for you and for me and reminding us how valuable we really are and that we are his prized creation and that he never stops working in our hearts and our lives. But as we go back to our text, our main text for this evening, in verse four in your Bibles it says this, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing, think about this, I want you to think about this, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. That God, the, the judge, the God, the, the ruler of the universe actually wants people to turn their hearts and lives over to him. To stop acting like robots, to stop acting like machines, to, to stop acting like they're not human, to realize that they are a simple fallen human being that does struggle in this life. And that God is actually the way out, that God is actually our hope, that God is actually the only way for you and for me. And that God is actually kind in the way that he actually leads us to repentance. That God actually has the ability to lead us and show us, even when we make mistakes, even when we fall down, even in, yes, when we commit some of the most heinous and unbelievable sins. See, we as a church have said this is kind of what we're going to do this year, and we're not only going to do it this year, we're going to do it for the next five years with everybody that we come in contact with. We said that we're going to value everyone we meet and that we're going to influence everywhere we go and that we're going to live generously with everything that we have. Do you notice the word judge people is not in there? Do you think any church ever puts that word in their vision statement? We... And you all must be on board because you keep coming back week after week even though we've been talking about this since October, right? You got this memorized now, you know this, that we just believe that that's why God has put us on this earth to value everyone because he values everyone, to influence everyone positively, not negatively, and to actually share what it is that God has given us with everyone we come in contact with. See, so often we get confused, and yes, even us in the church that are followers of Jesus, we get confused on what our role is in this world as it pertains to people who don't follow Jesus. And sometimes we get upset with people that don't follow Jesus because they don't behave like us, or they don't act like us, or they don't talk like us, or they don't have opinions the same way that we do about things. And so what do we do? It's so easy for us to fall in the trap of judging them and to say things we should never say and to treat them in ways we should never treat them. All that does is create this distance between us and them. In fact, the same guy, Paul, that wrote 
Romans also wrote 1 Corinthians and he put it plainly like this. He said, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? AKA people that aren't followers of Jesus. It is not those inside the church whom you are to judge. And if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? We get to judge each other. That's awesome, isn't it? And that's a whole nother sermon that we're not gonna get into tonight. The bottom line is this, God judges those outside. God judges those outside the church. In fact, in the next letter that he wrote in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, he said this, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Another way to put this is knowing that, that God is the great creator and that we do stand judged because of our sins, that we know that, but we also understand the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that we've received, that we now show kindness to people. That God actually uses that, the, the transformation that he has made in our hearts and lives, that others would see what God has done and that, would, and that God would use it as a tool to persuade others to come into faith and to know him. It's kind of interesting when you think of the world that we live in and some of the choices that we have to make. And maybe you're a follower of Jesus tonight and you know, there's kind of some options that maybe we have and, and one of them could certainly be that we just isolate ourselves from the culture, right? We should just build a camp in northern Michigan and just wait for Jesus to come back and hope everybody else figures it out. That's kind of an extreme way of doing it, isn't it? On the polar opposite end of that, we could accommodate the culture. We could just come up with all sorts of ways to just, you know, kind of justify things and, and just kind of, you know, begin to take God's word and maybe twist and distort it to maybe say what we would like it to say. And so we try to go and we try to accommodate the culture. Or maybe there's a third option for us. Maybe God has called us and compelled us to engage the culture and the people around us, and, and the circumstances, and the circles of influence that he's actually placed us in each and every day. See, again, the, these sermons, this sermon series, these two chapters, chapter two and three of Romans, I mean, they are heavy. And they really cause you to have to do kind of this deep soul searching in your heart and your life. And maybe you've been caught in this trap of judging everyone. And the cloud that, that just kind of follows you around everywhere you go. And you're trying to figure out why that is. And Paul, and Paul's so great at writing these things. And Paul, of course, is inspired by God to write these things. So really, God is speaking to you tonight through his word. And look at what it says next in verse 5. This is what it says. But because of your heart and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. That that is actually not good for you and it's not good for me. In fact, he goes on to explain it even further. He says in verse six to nine, he says, he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he's gonna give you eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, everything's about them, right? It's all about what makes them happy and they have the right to be happy and so you know, if they're not happy then they should just alter their circumstances in order to make themselves happy. They don't obey the truth. Even if they know the truth, even if they've heard the truth, they reject the truth and they obey unrighteousness instead. And there's gonna be wrath and fury. 
There will be tribulation and distress for every human being. Think about that. Every human being who does evil. And we come into context with this. We come face to face with this reality of really the, the, the nature of each and every one of us. The fallen sinful nature that you and I battle each and every day. But yet, look what he says next. Look at verse 10. But glory and honor, and I love this, peace. Who doesn't want peace in their lives, right? Peace for everyone who does good. Who humbles themselves before God. Who realizes they don't have it all together and they're just as screwed up as the next person, but yet God in his grace and his mercy has done a work in their heart and their life and now they want to share the hope that they have found with those around them. Here's what I would submit to you tonight. You want to know how to engage our culture? How about we start by laying down all our judgment? Not just some, not just a little bit, not just 10%, but imagine laying all of your judgment down and seeing people the way that God sees them interacting with people the way that God sees them. Or here's another way. You've heard of Billy Graham. He's probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest evangelist of our times. This is how he put it. I kind of like this. He said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. Doesn't that sound nice? What if this is our banner? What if every day we wake up and we think about that? We think about this. We take this attitude on. Every time before we hit send on our social media post, we go, is this the filter? Is it the Holy Spirit's job to convict? And I probably don't need to post this. If it's God's job to judge, I probably don't need to post this. If it's my job to love, let's get some more butterflies and rainbows and hearts out there on social media. Amen? Yeah. All right. Because God judged everyone by the law, but yet he saves everyone by the gospel. See, we believe this. This is really important to what we believe here at Shepherd's Gate, that God is the one that calls people to faith. In fact, you and I cannot call people to faith. It's the Holy Spirit who works in their hearts and their lives. And so if we believe that and we hold on to that and we preach that over and over again, why do we so much struggle with trusting God that he knows how to judge people? That he's the one that knows how to take the human heart and transform it and form it into the image that he would want it to be formed into. If we can trust him with saving people, certainly we can trust him to do the work that only he can do. And then again, look at as we end verse 11, right? I love this. God shows no partiality. It's not a respecters of persons. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody is equal before God. And that's why you keep seeing Paul say, Greek and Jew, and Greek and Jew, Greek and Jew, uh, over and over again in these passages, because those were the two groups that were represented in the church in the Rome at this time. And if Paul was speaking to our day and age, he would probably use different words. He would probably talk about the races, that all of the races on this planet are equal. He would say all the socioeconomic statuses of people are equal. All of the educational levels, no matter what your education is, that every single human being is equal on the planet before Almighty God. And isn't it interesting, on Ash Wednesday, the night that we gather to be reminded that we're human, that's pretty much what the service is about. It's to remind you to hit the pause button, to realize you are in fact human. In fact, all of Ash Wednesday comes down to this one passage in Genesis that says this, 
you will return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You're dust, and to dust you shall return. And just so that you and I get it, we actually put ashes on our foreheads. Think about that. To remind us of this, to remind us of this truth, to remind us of this reality. That even the breath in our lungs is because of God Almighty. So again, tonight, we're nothing without God. In fact, we bring nothing to God. We're sinful and we're evil. And we need to be able to admit that to him tonight. And again, he's justified to judge us guilty of our sins. But I want you to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. We're going to look at it again because so often we kind of stop at the beginning where it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God, there's actually a comma in this sentence. There's hope for you and me because it says this, And all are justified by his grace. This gift, this incredible gift that you and I don't deserve, that we can't earn. And this gift comes through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, because Jesus Christ is the one who went to the cross, that he stretched out his arms, and that he allowed them to drive nails into his hands and to his feet. As all of the sins of the world came upon his physical body as he was breathing his last breaths, Imagine the agony and the torture in that moment as all of our sins, your sins and my sins, and all the sins of everyone that has committed sins in this world, both past and, and present and even into the future, that he did that for you and for me. God did this as a propitiation, which is just really another word of saying a substitution. He did it as a substitution by his blood. He became the sacrifice for you and for me that in faith, this faith that God so generously gives us that you and I could become righteous and that when God the Father looks upon us, he doesn't see us as we are. In fact, he sees Jesus and as he sees Jesus, we realize how much we are loved. We realize that everything that he has done for us, that even while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. And you and I have this incredible opportunity to receive his grace and his mercy, that he dusts us off, that he puts us back on the path that he has for us, that each and every day of our lives that he's constantly working that he has more love for us than we could ever even imagine. He knows we're human. He knows the struggles that we go through. He knows the things that we face. He knows what's coming this week. He knew there was going to be a snowstorm tonight. He's that good. He knows if the kids are going to have school off tomorrow, right? Some of you, I can see you're already praying to be out of school tomorrow. And think about this. Not only does he love you, not only does he send Jesus for you, he forgives you and he declares you not guilty. Man, what an incredible God we have. What an incredible God who puts so many things in motion for you and for me. So tonight on 
Ash Wednesday 2020, which is going to become known as Ash Wednesday 2020 Snowstorm 2020, right? You brave souls that are here, those of you that are joining us online, God loves you. Now as we begin this journey for these next 40 days, think about this, the next 40 days as we head toward Easter, what is it that God is speaking to your heart? Is it judgment that you need to lay at his feet? Is it hypocrisy that you need to lay at his feet? Is it unfaithfulness that you need to hand over to him? And what is that sin that you've allowed yourself to be tangled up in? Tonight you have that opportunity to give that to God and to watch as he takes your sin and he exchanges it once again for mercy and for grace and for peace and yes, even for joy that he can give. So tonight we're going to prepare our hearts to receive Holy Communion as you've heard talked about earlier this day and also the ashes on our foreheads. And tonight, given the fact that it's Ash Wednesday, we're actually going to do a corporate confession to prepare our hearts to receive this. And so you're going to see on the screens here, there's a section for me and where it says congregation. I would just invite you to then say those words with the congregation. But let's confess to our God tonight. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. These are the words spoken as the final comment on life. They recall our beginning. Then sin became part of that life. And as a result, we will go back to the dust. Ash Wednesday is a reminder of these realities. Therefore, let us come to God with repentant hearts. May these ashes keep us mindful of Christ's sacrifice, the blood he shed on the cross for us, by the help of his spirit, may we live lives worthy of being called his children. You see, it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And in given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this remembering me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, Take drink. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. It's given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, remembering me. And so we come now and we receive this incredible gift, God's grace and his mercy for your life and for my life. Come now, all is prepared. you've received and may the resemblance of the cross on your forehead remind you right now and forever that you are unbelievably loved before we go I want to read you these words of encouragement tonight remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return let the ashes you wear be a reminder of God's transformation in your life and the fact that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of the one who was who is and who forevermore shall be. He is our creator. He's our redeemer. And he goes with us now. So depart in peace. Amen.